cheers. Hey, cheers. Enjoy this Hibiki 12-year-old that we got here. I appreciate you coming out and doing this, man. This is this is a fun time. This is a fun thing to do, and you always have a lot to say, which is why I'm glad you were able to do this with, with me. So thanks again for doing that. And nobody can, can tell yet, but you lost your voice. What's the story behind that? Oh, I think uh, all of uh, that was for the last two weeks, right? So obviously, you know, uh, we got a kid. So you send your kid out to uh, preschool. They come back. They give you a cold. Cough a bunch. So I lost my voice, kind of just, you know, coughing. And obviously I went to, you know, I took a little trip. You know, lost my voice there. Went down to uh, San Diego to, you know, cheer a buddy of mine on. You know, he's competing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. So. Did he win? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he got the, he, you know, he got two buddies of mine that went down there. They both have, you know, medals coming back. So. So it was a fun time. It was a great time. So worth shouting at the top of your lungs to make sure that they heard you, that someone's watching out for them and they actually did a good thing out there. Oh, yeah. yeah that's awesome, man. So for those of people who don't know who you are, uh, we, we've been buddies for was it been like 10 years? Jeez, it's been about that long. 2011. That's crazy. Man, dude, time is flying, man. I don't know about you. This, whew. Uh, you're in the cybersecurity field, and I never really sat down to actually ask you what it is you actually do there and how intricate these things are because now it's been in the media so much. Like that, what was it that pipeline that got hacked like yeah. last month and became a big old fiasco here? That's something beyond what I even understand here. So what is it that you do in that? What's that whole field like working in that? So I work for a, well, I was, to be more clear, I work for a tech company that develops um, applications to be able to kind of, uh, you know, hunt for certain things or, or, or to, you know, bring some clarity um, in your environment, right, and, and any kind of wrongdoings. And so, um, so what I do specifically is to kind of be that technical advisor to our customers, you know, to kind of explain to them, you know, you know, certain things to look out for, how to use our application in the best possible way, talk about workflows and, and you know, just really have them, you know, teach them how to engage uh, with the application, be able to get what they need to get out of it, which at the end of the day, you know, as we talk about cybersecurity, which is only, you know, a small, you know, a small percentage of, you know, the vast majority of all the things that we offer, you know, you have, you know, internal wrongdoings, you have, you know, criminal activities that happen outside, you know, kind of explain to them how to, how to basically, you know, get to where they need to get to, which is, well, let's catch the bad guys. Catch the bad guys. Jeez. So it's even for like companies that the big names out there, the alpha, what's it? Not alpha, but Fang, all the Fang companies, Facebook, um, Amazon, Netflix, all that stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure they have targets on their backs just because of what access they actually have to people's information. So do they call someone like, like you to, to say, hey, uh, help us make our systems that much more secure so we don't have to worry about being the next one on the news saying, hey, uh, big data breach, and guess what? Your information's on there. Are you someone that they actually call for that? No, not necessarily me personally, right? I'm not the... <laughs> You're not the guru? I'm not the traveling forensics guy, right? Or, or, or any of that by any means, right? But, you know, certainly, you know, companies do seek the kind of company that I work for to be able to, 
present them with a tool that, that, you know, helps them with that. Now in this day and age, everybody's got, you know, you can talk about those companies, you know, all day, right? They, you know, without a doubt are the type of companies with targets on their backs, but you know, you, me as individuals, people that have data floating around in the, cl in the cloud, you know, the proverbial cloud, yeah, we all have targets on our backs, to be honest. You know, that's a way to put it there. I mean, well, just that field in general, it's so beyond what I can understand, because sometimes even just put on the laptop, I have no idea what all the security features are on there. I just trust that Apple has done it and made it dumbed it down so someone like me could figure it out. But to get into that field for everything out there, not just with Macs, but these big cyber, these big, huge computers and these companies that have access to everything, that's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. How'd you even get into this field anyway? It's not something you go to school for and say, this is what I want to do. Well, ironically enough, I did not actually go to school <laughs> to learn any of this stuff, right? It's, um, I, I, went, I went to school, um, believe it or not, in marketing. Oh, that's a easy transition, I guess. Kind of, right? Like, and, and, and so, I mean, obviously, you know, growing up, uh, you know, Parents always insisted on following that track, you know, you know, do whatever you want, but get your education there first. Me personally, I just decided that marketing was kind of the quickest way to kind of get to the end of that, that road quicker. I mean, I was, you know, was it require like 90 units to graduate or 70 something units to graduate, which is not a whole lot. Probably been a while. Yeah. So, I mean. I saw that as, as a really quick, a quick way to kind of, you know, move out from, um, you know, just to finish up college and just to kind of start off, start off my life. Right. You know, and, and mind you that up until that point I've had, I wouldn't say I've had a whole lot of life experience up until that point, but you know, I've definitely lived some parts of life transitioned to, to go into school and, and wanted to, you know, follow up what my parents wanted out of me and, and then boom, I'm onto the real world and looking for, <laughs> looking for things to is, do. Is that like a, I mean, it may be a cultural thing, but to be able to say, especially in your early 20s, that I have a path that I'm supposed to follow first, like when my parents tell me you must do A, B, and C, mm -hmm. even if I don't really want to do that, I know I have to do it at least to whether appease parents, family, society, whatever. And then, like, how do you really balance that? And doesn't that, I don't know, did that, like, cause you a lot of discomfort back in the day when it's like, I'm doing something that I really kind of don't want to, but I have to, to check that box off. Then when I'm done with this, I really want to go do something else. Yes and no. I mean, like, a lot of it comes from your upbringing, right? Like, for me, I, you know, grew up, obviously, in, in an Asian household. I, you know, listened to what my mom and dad said. They had expectations that they lined out of me. I mean, that they lined out for me. And I, I just kind of, you know, had those ex same expectations about myself, right? What, what do we do? We have to graduate, you know, high school. We have to go to college. We have to get a, you know, get a job, be able to support a family on our own, you know. And, and none of that, you know, especially at the age when I'm starting to think about these things, mm -hmm. none of that seemed strange to me, right? Like, I was like, okay, I do need to do these things because at the end of the day, you know, even though I'm 19, 18, 19, 20 years old, I think, okay, how am I going to sustain myself until when I retire? And I, and all, you know, that path, that progression, it's very logical. I mean, at least to me. Mm -hmm. 
So, so when you were done with your degree, did it, did it sink in? Like I did this for marketing and I'm ready to go into it. Or was it like, okay, I got my degree. That's great. But maybe I want to take a different path. Like, what was that? Well, so when I, <laughs> so when I graduated college, right. Um, I had this whole grandiose plan, like, oh, I'm going to get into marketing because, hey, I went to school for it. It was an interesting topic. I had always envisioned how, how it felt like to be an adult, wear a suit and tie, work downtown, you know, in San Francisco. You know, that, that, that was kind of my vision, right? Yeah, fact, I've you know, been there. To, to not sound kind of totally like, a, you know, cliche about it, right? But I had always imagined, you know, get out of college. You'd find that first job that, that pays you decent enough to get an apartment out in downtown San Francisco, want to be able to put a suit on, take, you know, take the train to work and, you know, get, get in the meetings and, you know, as cliche as that sounds, that's kind of what my expectation out of college was. And obviously I didn't necessarily follow that exact path. In fact, I've had kind of a, kind of a twisty turny route to kind of get to where I, I am today, but you know, all in all, it worked out for the best. And, you know, which goes to show, right? Like what you envision for yourself may not be exactly the path. You can plan everything out. You can have all the, you know, you can have everything lined up in your mind. But, you know, realistically, the chips fall where they where they fall. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of people see that as they get, get older, that sometimes, even though I wanted to go a certain path here, uh, fate or whatever has other intentions for me and I got to just adjust to it. But you were in the military, right? Mm-hmm. Was yeah. that before college or that was after college? Yeah, so yeah, I was I was I was in the Marines before uh, before I transitioned over to college. But I mean, during my time there, you know, I felt like I I, I had a good amount of like life experience, kind of, you know, while I was there because I I enlisted early. I was like seventeen years old. I enlisted, um, and you know, obviously, even though it was the, you know the Marine Corps Reserves, right? Um, I still had an opportunity to kind of deploy overseas um got to be out on my own for a little bit you know as opposed to how you know a lot of people transitioning out of high school go to uh you know go to college my version of that was enlist in the military you know kind of (laughs) go out to and so that also kind of was another thing right like I got that out of my system beforehand so actually that kind of helped me out and wanted to fall into the into my parents' expectations, hmm. right? Because, all right, well, my parents never wanted me to join the military, but yet they signed off on me joining the military. Um, they let me get it out of my system before I transitioned out to going to, going to uh, you know, college and everything. <coughs> Jeez. So they're like, hey, we'll make you a deal. You can go do all that, but when you get out, it's back to college. It's, uh, you still got, (laughs) yeah, there's still some there that mom and dad are like, uh, you still need to get this degree because that's what you need to be successful or we think that's what you need to be successful. Yeah. And I never really understood that, like, you know, um, get a degree to be successful. I never kind of associated, you know, getting a degree with being successful. I kind of always thought of it as you get a degree much like you you know, finish high school, finish anything. It just shows that you can commit yourself to something and then you can finish it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like in my example for me, it was, yeah, I got a four year degree, but I didn't have a lot of examples. Uh, 
directly with my own family where we all got degrees. Like I didn't have any, well, I had older siblings, but for the cousins that were my age, um, most of them didn't get degrees either. So it was, Hey, you know, we just kind of got jobs in the real world and we started our families and everything's fine. (laughs) And, you know, there wasn't a lot of examples for me to go back and say, who got a college degree in my age group, in my age range, and how were they successful with it? I kind of just said, well, I guess I'll get it. I mean, I kind of wanted it. It'd be, it'd be cool to be the first one in my immediate family to actually get one. But then you get out in the real world at 22, 23 years old, and it's, all right, now what? <laughs> and then reality hits that you don't just jump into, unless you go to Harvard and you have connections, you don't just jump into a high five or six figure salary job and buy your first home right away and then on cruise control after that it's like it's there's a lot of turbulence in those early 20s that no one really tells you about oh yeah Yeah. definitely i mean experiencing it firsthand living that you mean there is a there is not just a fair bit of turbulence there is actually a lot of turbulence gets you to kind of reconsider and kind of think about life think about your direction where you want to go with it and and you know, what's that next step? You know, and, and the scary part is not, it's actually not knowing. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times it was like, dude, there were, there were, there were, there were times where I'm like, I need to move out, but can I pay my rent? Can I, can I actually do what everybody says you're supposed to do? Like you should be at this level by this age and you should be, you should have acquired all this. And I'm like, I have a degree, but that doesn't guarantee me anything. I, I don't know. It was, it's hard to navigate those early twenties. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to be able, like, what was your saving, not say saving grace, but what was that one thing that you had that you can say, this is what kept me grounded at times when I could have easily have fallen off the path. What was it that you said, you know what? I have something to keep in mind as I progress through these turbulent twenties, whatever you want to call them. And really kind of keep me grounded was it your parents was it a girlfriend was it just you know what i have a vision it may be 10 years away but i'm going to get there mm-hmm. was that it that, that's pretty much it i mean you, you use your parent i mean for me i i use my parents as kind of you know those bumpers on the road to keep me on the road right i didn't really use them that way they you know they acted as that for me um but i think the ultimate reason why i was driving forward and, and i never kind of let off the eyes of the prize right which is that ultimate vision of where I wanted to be, you know, career aside, doesn't matter. The overall concept of, well, I want to end up, I want to buy a house. I want to, you know, you know, have a family. I want to be able to sustain myself, be comfortable enough to, you know, not really worry about too much, but you know, the, the idea of crazy extravagance never crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted to end, you know, and, and as, as strange as that sounds, people have dreams, right? Like, but you mm-hmm. know, I'm, you know, going like you know, thirty times beyond that. Mine was my dream was to was that status quo, and when I reached there, what next? And so that was kind of what what kept me driving forward. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's also a part of your my ego that came into play in, in my twenties, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> you, you you graduate college. You think you're the most awesome thing since sliced bread. I mean, and even for me, like, you know, I enlisted in the Marine Corps, you know, I deployed, you know, served overseas, you know, came back, finished college. I mean, in my mind, as a 20-something-year-old, 
I, I feel like I've accomplished a lot at that time, you know, at least, you know, in my mind. And so coming, coming out of college, I'm like, oh, everybody should be offering me jobs, right? And it's one of those things where it's like, yep, I've just fast-tracked myself to my vision. Well, it doesn't matter where you come from. You're still going to reach turbulent times, and it's even worse when you have an ego because with, along with ego, in my opinion, comes expectations. <laughs> Do I think... I think pretty much all of us at that age had an ego. We're the, we're the top dog. You know, nothing's going to bring us down. You have an interesting perspective. Is it even though you were in the reserves, you deployed a lot. I mean, I know that they mandate you to, to deploy certain times, but you also volunteered for a lot of those, didn't you? Yeah. Or how does that work? Uh, so, I mean, well, obviously, when I, when I was in, it was, you know, I was, uh, I was in boot camp during 9-11. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um it was kind of like the word around the house was, hey, we're, we're going to war. Well, what do we do? Like, hey, uh, yeah. So I was in the, so I was like, hmm, I'm in the reserves. I wonder if I'm still going to be in the reserves. <laughs> Am I going straight to war? And then, and then the next part of that is, you know, I was check, checked into my unit. And then not, not even within a year, we, you know, we get the order to go out to, you know, to, you know for Iraq, you know, for, for the, uh, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2003 when the whole thing kicked off. You know, and, and to me, as a 19-year-old, that was absolute chaos. I mean... <laughs> I don't even know. I, I couldn't even imagine. I've never served, so I don't know that uh, what's going through your head. I, you're right. I imagine at 19 years old and you've been thrust into this life-changing experience, to say the least, that very few people go through and then yeah even when you come back you know without getting into specific um, instances i should say that you had over there just you come back with a different perspective on life that oh, yeah. most people who are 20 don't have because you know what do we have around us everything is like a safety net we don't see the things that you would see on the battle real battlefield like daily and it, i like to think that it gave you a perspective on what to appreciate and when you get out of there, like how do I take, you know, what I've learned, what I've seen, how do I use that to improve my, my, myself and how do I keep myself from not being affected by some of the stuff you've actually seen out there? Like, well, I mean, and the thing is, I think, you know, a lot of it also as well is being out there and being embedded in a different country where people where, where you know we're privileged to be raised in the bay area where you know we, we pretty much have everything at our at our disposal avocado toast avocado <laughs> toast you know when, when your biggest concern in, in, in your day is whether or not your iphone is charged mm -hmm. <laughs> yes and, and, and believe you me that's still one of the biggest concerns of my day right but uh, I'll, I'll tell you that like you know when you see how some of these other people live in the other in other countries you know they don't even have shoes. They're running around in gravel and sand, you know. And then, you know, needless to say, when you yourself go there and it's like a culture shock and you don't know if, you know, you don't know how long you're going to be out there. And, and I'll tell you, this is, in the, this is probably one of the weirdest things you'll probably hear, right? But one of the biggest things is I had a great appreciation for hard floors, cement floors when I came back. Like having to tromp around of all things, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, after having to tromp around like sand and 
and, you know, and gravel and things like that. You know, certainly one of those things where uh, <laughs> definitely appreciative that, you know, when I came back, it's like, oh, wow, I'm on, I'm on solid ground. I'm, in, you know, society, I mean, in a, uh, you know, see like, uh, you know, buildings, high rises, you know, you get excited, you know, shopping mall. Who gets excited about shopping malls? I got excited about shopping malls when I got back. Dude, what's a shopping mall now? The way things are going, everything's online. Yeah, it's also that's, very that's true. <laughs> Which also kind of gives you an indication of like how old we're getting, right? Oh, man, it'll remind me. It's like, it, it, you know, 40 is the, the new 20. That's the way we need to look at it right now because, um, yeah, that's a whole different thing. You know, you bringing up like that culture shock, what you see out there like in real life that we just don't experience here for better or for worse. Uh, it's something that I, you don't want to make people enlist in order to actually see what goes on in the other side in, in the, on the other side of, on the other part of the world, other parts of the world, rephrase that. But at the same time, it's like if more young people could see what life is like here compared to what it's like in some of these other places where you literally are going day to day. Am I going to survive to the next day? I don't have shoes. I don't have a roof over my head. Uh, the laws and the way people run things out there are so different than what they are here. You know, it kind of, it's almost like there's, in my opinion, like a lack of appreciation for what we actually do have here. Maybe it's because we're in our mid to late thirties mid thirties and we've seen enough that we're like, okay, I definitely appreciate what I have here and I'm not going to, you know, jeopardize, you know, the good life that I actually have. But sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get some people in their teens and their twenties to understand just how good you actually have it here and, and, to, and to see where you actually saw it firsthand at 19 and 20 and you probably experience. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's like, I don't know. I just trying to get people to understand that it's like, you know, it's like talking to a wall sometimes. It's like, <laughs> nope, you know, the Instagram tells me me this, Facebook tells me that. So, you know, this is the problems that I have to worry about. It's like the world is so much bigger and there's a lot more that people are going through that we don't actually see. Oh, yeah. I mean, and on that kind of a topic too, right? Like it's, you could be going through like the worst thing you're going through in, in your life and agreed there are some pretty bad things you can go through in life. There are people in the world, if you think about it, that probably have a worse situation than you. Yeah. I mean, especially for these first world problems, right? Like with I, my, my iPhone's not charging. Yep. There's probably someone in the world where they can't even afford an iPhone. Yeah. Or have, has never ever seen a phone. Crazy, huh? It's all about, it's all relative, you know, it's all, it's all about perspective. I know. So coming back from, you did, you did how many years? You were in the reserves for a long time, actually, right? Like Yeah, five. so I mean, like, the contract was, like, six six years, you know, on and off. And then you have, like, two years that you have to just kind of be around, float around and, and, you know, be obligated but not obligated at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. You're under contract, but you're not obligated to report anywhere. Right, okay. And then, so I got completely out. And during that time, I was, that was when I really got my college down, right, back in 2009, you know, working – odd jobs, you know, anywhere from, you know, working at, uh, car dealerships all the way to just working at the airport. <laughs> like, that's crazy. So like if you had, 
if it was your world to run and you could change things just as one area right there, what is it that society, a government, I mean, not even government, but a society could do to really make it, I'm going to say easier, but a simpler transition for veterans coming back, reserve or not, that doesn't matter into the workforce. Like what's that missing piece there that if you could fix, you would actually say, this is going to be it right there. I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, right now, the, 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 you know, and, and, you know, also kind of just to add on to like the whole military service thing, I've been, you know, re-exposed because I, you know, went re-enlisted back into the military in the Air National Guard and I just got not last year. So it's like 17 years of actually being in somewhere. 17 <laughs> years of service, man. And, and with that being said, I've been exposed to a lot of the programs that there are nowadays. There's a lot of programs that are out there to help veterans out. I mean, Salesforce has a program that'll literally, you know, teach veterans skills to be able to make them competitive in the workforce. In my opinion, what stops a lot of people is kind of themselves, right? And, and, and mm. then that's, that's one half of it. The other half of it is obviously the, the big elephant in the room, which is, you know, you may be, you know, you may have, and I hate to say the word, right, but BDST or, 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 or some sort of, you know, like um, some sort of a reintegration issue into society that also needs to be looked at as well, which I feel like, um, you know, should also be, you know, handled as people transition out to reintegrate them to society. And so it's kind of a, you know, twofold, you know, care, you know, it, it's, it's the things that affect the person coming out of the military because obviously if, you, if you've done any kind of service overseas, whether or not, it doesn't matter what branch you're in, Actually, it didn't even matter if you're in the military. You'd be, you know, firefighter or whatnot. You you get exp you get exposed to situations that inhibit you from performing your day to day life because it's just so impactful. Well, one of the things is to kind of, you know, during a transition, I think they could do a better job and and maybe like you know, taking an evaluation of everybody and see where everybody's at, and then interesting work on everybody kind of introspectively to kind of to talk about. You know, hey, well, I'm out of the military. Well, I don't have anything prohibiting me. And then we're going to go back to that whole ego thing, which kind of what I had. Mm. I learned how to stuff your ego, understand that getting to where you need to get to, you know, you're getting out of the military, you, you know, people aren't just going to, you know, offer you jobs left and right. You have to still work for it and you still have to find a starting point, you know? Yeah. Which is kind of what I did. You know, it's. I had to figure out where I wanted to be, but then, you know, I had to figure out where I had to start. And obviously, coming out of college, I, I don't start off with like a $60,000 a year job unless I had connections. And that's where the whole turbulent time you yeah. know, really kicked in. Hey, back in the early 2000s, 60 grand, you could live like, like a king, or it felt like you could. Now it's like uh, that you're lucky if you're starting out that way with enough to pay for the rents and with everything going on here. Oh, yeah. But now, what was that catalyst? You completed your, your college and everything. That catalyst that got you into computers to say, you know what? I'm going to take these things apart or I'm going to figure out how to get in there to figure out how the bad guys are hacking these things or whatnot. How did you get into that? Everything else being said. Well, I mean, I had without having any idea where I would end up or where I would be at today, you know, be at where I am today with, with my career path and everything, I, I started off with, hey, you know, having this interest, you know, the, the, this whole, you know, to myself moment and thinking, well, 
what do I want to do? What do I have interest in? What can I see myself doing for the next at least five years? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I need to find a career. I need to get everything kickstarted. And I'm like already like approaching my mid to late 30s. I mean, mid to late 20s. Sorry. Wait a second. <laughs> I'm already approaching my mid to late 20s. Now, time is ticking. Um, it wasn't necessarily the best time to go find a job Yeah. at, at that time, right? Mm-hmm. So, I realistically was, you know, I started, you know, putting out applications to low-level jobs, um, you know, contract, you know, contract opportunities. I, I wasn't bashful about where I, you know, I, I didn't have that. E- the minute I erased the whole concept of an ego from, you know, from my pal, like, I, you know, the minute I dropped the ego and I said, you know what, I know where I want to be and, and I know I need to probably pay my dues here to get there. I started applying for all those kind of jobs and obviously you're waiting for that one person to give you that opportunity because that one person that gives you that opportunity, you don't ever take for granted. Mm-hmm. You give them everything you got and, and you see where you can grow from. And the most important thing is when you're given that opportunity, don't squander it, right? Yeah, don't squander it. It's funny, you don't really know that you're squandering it when you're 21 because you think, oh, there'll be another <laughs> opportunity. You get to our age, it's like, uh, yeah, I would love to take that opportunity because that's a good paycheck. You mean I could pay for my family? I could buy a home? I could do all this cool stuff? Yeah. 21, it's like, ah, something else will come up, man. You know, that's, uh, that's beneath me. That's not what I really want to do. And yeah. If you only knew, man, if I could go back and tell my, myself all those stupid things that I did back in the day, like, man, if you only knew. But funny thing is I probably wouldn't even listen to myself. I mean, if I could go through time and talk to my 18, 19, 20-year-old self and say, I know you're going this way. This is what you should do instead. I probably would have flipped myself off. Nah, you, you don't get it. You're, you don't understand. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand how I screwed up later on and how like, oh, yeah, that set me back. If I just would have listened to somebody who knew something back then instead of saying that I knew everything. And man, but you're in a great spot now, man. You got you got a really good career going on now, and you got a family, daughter, and you got a home in the Bay Area. Which congratulations to own your own home anywhere here in this area is like winning the lottery. Sometimes I mean, just to be able to have something that you can invest in and then build up mm-hmm. to see your daughter grow up into, and you know, it's something special, man. So like, how um, you're what thirty? Mid thirties, your mid thirties right now. We'll go with that too. We'll go with that. <laughs> How long you been with your wife? Oh man, for about as long as I've known you. That oh man, ten years. Oh yeah, I do remember now. I saying that you. Okay, jeez, ten years, man. This time flies way too much, man. And your daughter's how old? Again, uh, she's uh, coming up on. Well, she's three and a half. Do realize every time that I see her, I just guess that she's about four or five years old, and I really don't know because they, 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 these kids just grow up so fast. I mm-hmm. lose track of okay, who's how old is your, your daughter? What they said, what now they can talk now. Man, what's been like that biggest challenge just to get into fatherhood that you never knew about? You, no one prepared you for, which is a lot about parenting. That you're like, dude, if I only knew how this was going to be, this is what I would have done differently, or this is what I've learned from. I think the whole experience is a Monday morning quarterback exercise. You go through what you go through not knowing what you're going to get through. You can ask as much advice from as many parents as you can, which I have. And about 50% of all the advice you get typically pans out because, you know, every kid's different. They're going to have different needs, different wants. Um, Retrospectively, looking back at it, I mean, I would do a ton of things different. 
We all would. I, I, I honestly don't know any parent that, out there that would say that they would have done everything exactly the same, you know, after having experienced it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many different ways I could have approached, you know, how I scheduled my time with her and, and, and you, know, you know, the different things to focus on with her growth and, and, and just, you know, kind of just, you know, just putting more focus on certain things, right? Mm-hmm. And you both work full-time, correct? You and the wife? Mm-hmm. That's been a, I think if there's one thing that is affecting a lot of people in this area specifically, just because of how much everything costs here, that a lot of people from the other parts of the country or the world just don't understand how expensive everything in Silicon Valley is compared to pretty much everything except maybe the hills of Los Angeles. It is like, it takes two incomes to just kind of sometimes tread water mm-hmm. because of how expensive everything is. I mean, but in doing that, it's like, if you're both working, it's, you know, your daughter's growing up and you want to spend time with her. You know, back in the day, it was, you know, for better or for worse, it was one person would go out and work and then one person would stay home and take care of the kids. And we can't do that now just because of, oh, yeah. you both have to be working. Not, not, yeah, not, that's not even a question. You could be making, you know, this is the only place in the world where you could be making like, <laughs> a quarter million dollars within a family and still be like at par. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it's like when you and your wife talk about this, I'm sure you actually do. How do you find time to balance, um, doing your jobs and what you got to do to make money just to pay for the home and actually spend the time with your, with your, with your, with your daughter. Cause you know, time is something you can't get back. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she's growing up and you want to spend that quality time with her. How do you find the way to balance that? You know, I hate to say this, but it's like a, you know, it, it, it's like a, it's like an exercise in having to be flexible with your schedule mm-hmm. day in and day out. I mean, my wife puts in a lot of time, like a lot of time with, with the kid. I mean, to be quite honest, like I'm actually very thankful for, uh, you know, for the fact that she could spend all that time and, and, and really cultivate her growth where, you know, obviously my schedule is, <laughs> is you- insane. Right. Sometimes. And then, you know, but it's all about give and take. Right. Like, so she, you know, has moments where she has to do X, Y, and Z with work. And, and, you know, we have to do a lot of, you know, you know, changing of our time or schedules to be able to accommodate. And then, you know, the most important part, and again, mostly, you know, especially in my situation where, you know, the kids got grandparents that we can, we can take her over, uh, you know, take her over just to watch, watch her for the day. You know, that's also extremely helpful too. So, I mean, not without, I mean, it takes a village, right? So not, not without a ton of help <laughs> to be fair. You're not the first person to say that and not, and be serious and not be not serious about it when they say it takes a village to raise a kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, uh, my first guest and he said the exact same thing and like, wow, everybody's saying that. Hmm. You know, I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day, we were talking about like parenting and kids and. You know, this is good scotch, by the way. Mm. This is like a beaky 12-year-old for all the audience out there. And the best thing about the scotch is they don't make it anymore. So I got to be really careful with this bottle that it doesn't, uh, that, uh, can't remember the last time I had it. Don't have a party. And it's like, uh, don't take this one out. This is a very special one, like, uh, special events or whatnot. You got that from Japan, didn't you? No, this one, I... I bought locally and don't ask me how much I paid for it because I spent way too much for it. But 
I said, they don't make it anymore. I just want to get that one bottle. Somebody had it and I just swooped it up. I'm like, you know what? I'm, you know, that was a couple of years ago and we only got through a quarter of it, but it's, a. Uh, it's one of my special bottles, definitely, that I bring out for, you know, special times. It's not one of those things that you'd like, you know what? I want to have a scotch on the rocks while I chill at home by myself. <laughs> no, no, no. This is like, you want to enjoy this with somebody. Yeah, and I appreciate so, that. Absolutely. It's really good. It's awesome. And but going back to what I was saying, I was talking to one of my coworkers about parenting, and we didn't get into a debate, but we got, you know, we sort of saw the difference in between the previous generation's mindset and my mindset or millennials mindset, soon to be generation Z's, which is, you know, I pretty much think kids can be the greatest thing in the world. And I definitely respect everybody who wants to have a child and raise them and put the work in for it because that's something really special. You know, it, but like you said, it takes a village to raise a child and, Sometimes it's just a matter of, do you have the right support network around? I mean, I've known people who both parents have both grandparents in the same area, like distance is not an issue. And they still have a hard time figuring out, how do we do this? How do we both work? How do we balance babysitting time with the grandparents? How do we balance us in a relationship having our own thing? And it's like, you know, when, when me and my coworker were, were talking about this, we realized just how much, you know, the support network is a big deal now because 40, 50 years ago, like we said earlier, one person could go out and work and make the money for the family. It's not that way anymore. So you both have to work. And, you know, we, we went back and forth a little bit and we were kind of like, yeah, it's just, you know, in a different world, you know, maybe that's something that I could consider if things panned out a different way. But, you know, with the way this area works and how much it costs, it's like, you know, maybe if I moved out to Wichita, Kansas and bought a home for a hundred thousand dollars, a mansion with all this property, like, Hey, bad idea. Hey, why not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody else in the state's doing it. They're all going to Nashville. I'm sure Tennesseans hate us because we're out there just, you know, ballooning their property values and now they're getting pushed out. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, and you know, one of the challenges of life that you're just like, yeah, you know, we live in a great area, have a lot of great uh, benefits of being here, but, you know, there's another side of it that we have to be willing to accept or be willing to work with. So just seeing you guys being able to figure that out and do the right thing for your your uh, child and still be able to make everything work, that's that's a good story, good example to pass on to anybody else who watches this and says, Hey, you know what? I, you know, I don't know how people do it. I can't figure it out. And it's like, you know, people figure it out. It doesn't go without its turbulences though, Mm -hmm. as I'm sure you know, but you know, that's enough about kids right there. I always, things always tend to go around kids whenever I have these conversations, maybe because we're getting older and that's always like, Hey, uh, so when are you having children? Like, will you stop bugging me? It's like, all right. You know, and that's one of those things where it's like, you know, you have children when you feel like you're ready to have children. I think one of those things that, you know, we all have to kind of consider getting into this age is, do I want children? You know. Who was it? It was uh, Warren Buffett. No, Warren Buffett, right? Yep. He, uh, I forgot where he said this at. He's, you know, he's worth, I don't even know how many billions of dollars he's worth. He said something somewhere where he's going to leave his children just enough money to be able to start their own thing, but not too much where they become dependent on that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just going to live off daddy's multi-billion dollar fortune and not do anything for myself. 
So I applaud him for that, that he's very smart and saying, here's enough money to get yourself started and your own life started. Everything else is going to charity or whatever. That's crazy that, you know, you're just, you're willing to give away your fortune. I think Bill Gates said that as well. Did he? Well, he just gave half to his wife, so there, <laughs> there's half of it right there. And I will give him credit to, he's very philanthropic with that. He likes to give a lot of it away because it's like, you can't take it with you anyway. You yeah. know, honestly, it's like, once I'm dead, like, do I necessarily care who has all my money at that point? Like, I don't care. I'd like to give it to my kids if I had them. That, that would make me feel better at the later stages of my life. But once I, you know, once it's it for me, it's like, do you really know? <laughs> no, you're right. So, I mean, that, you know, at in the, in the very least, right, at the end of the day, it's just the, the, the looming thought of having to think about, well, because, you know, obviously when you're, you know, have a kid or, or especially when you're single, you just think about yourself, right? Like, you know, hey, what do I want to do today? Where do I want to go today? What do I want to eat today? It's all about me. It's all about me, right? <laughs> and as you grow older and these thoughts kind of come and then you, more people start, you know, coming into your life. And you start having offspring of your own. You're just like, well, what does everybody else want? It's not about me anymore. And, that, and, and that's certainly one, one of those huge thoughts that kind of come across, right? Yeah. And is a person ready to kind of distance themselves with what they want versus what, you know, and, and be able to submit to what everybody else wants? And I definitely applaud you for that, about thinking long-term future like that too. And then kind of one of the reasons why I do this, this whole thing thing now is it's another way for me to give back. If I'm never going to have my own kids, wouldn't it be cool if I could have a platform where people who are already here, who maybe don't have leadership guidance, whatever it is, doesn't matter how old you are, just listen to a couple people talk, sit around and, you know, maybe something comes up that clicks with you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you don't care what's being said here and to each their own, but you know, having a couple of people who listen like, wow, that's, you know, I never thought of it that way. Hey, you know, feels like I make a difference somewhere. Yeah. It's all, and it's all about perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, different people, these are, just, you know, casually talking to you and me. I mean, who knows? Another person just listening, you know, could be like, Oh, Hey, that's <laughs> exactly. And speaking of that, now that everything's starting to open up again, I think we kind of touched on this earlier, but I, I don't think I ever told anybody on this podcast about how big of a Raider fan I am. So the fact that they have a new stadium and I couldn't go there last season to see a game kind of bothered me, especially well, in fairness, nobody else could go see, see the games because of how everything was going on. But, you know, yeah. What if we just got a bunch of people together, went down to Vegas to see a Raider game and then came back the same day? Wouldn't that be awesome? That sounds like you're planning a trip. And that sounds like uh Maybe. You know, haven't told everybody yet. Open invite? Open invite for somebody, yeah, who wants to come out and see the Raider game, see a Raider game in Vegas and come back. Always want, I never got to actually travel to go to different football stadiums or baseball. I've been to one baseball stadium. That was Seattle. That's it. Short of that, I know people who like to go travel and follow the team wherever they go and just to say they can go hit different um, stadiums or arenas. But, you know, now that I'm in the space that I am in my life now, I want to see, hmm, what if I could do that? What if a bunch of people you can just say, you know what? We're old enough now. We all have commitments. We got to we got to stand pat to that. But wouldn't it be cool just to say, you know what? Let's go do something just out of the blue like that. Get that experience and just do it all together. Yeah, it's kind of almost like a, I mean, almost like the way that I look at it is, you spend your twenties, and you know you don't have a ton of money. You've always wanted to do all these things, but now off you, you know you, you have the ability to. <laughs> 
why not? Why not exactly? Um, yeah, I, you know. I often think about this as well. There's it's a just ton, a, there's a ton of places that I've always wanted to see. Now that we have the capability of being able to kind of do that. What's the one place in the world, and you've traveled a lot from what I remember, what's the one place in the world that if you could go to right now, you would go to? That no one, like not a big touristy city like Paris or something like that, like something really obscure or no one yet knows knows about. I could tell you mine. That nobody knows about. I mean, does it have to be a place that I've been to before? or No, like I'll tell you mine. I... I, one day, I guess you call on my bucket list. I want to ride the Trans-Siberian Railroad from Vladivostok all the way to Moscow because you're because dr- you go on a tra- what is that like a two week train ride, and you're seeing a part of the world that pretty much nobody sees because it's so sparsely populated. Just to be able to have that experience, that wow, you know, this isn't like a tourist destination like New York or London. This is like literally, you know, planet Earth as pretty much untouched as you can get. Like, that's like, wow, this is, that's something. You want to hear mine? Uh, what is it? All right, so check this out. Um, I've always had this as almost kind of like a dream, right? Like, this would make my, my vacation, you know, yeah, to say friendship goals, my vacation goals. I want to go to, the, obviously, the Maldives before they, they, it disappears. The what? The Maldives? Maldives. Maldives, Maldives. or Maldives? Mal- One of those two. All right. Never gave it much thought how to pronounce it, but... Is that an island in the Pacific? It sounds familiar. Yeah, island in the... I think it's in the Indian Ocean somewhere. Hmm. It's, like, slowly disappearing, right? But they've got, like, these bungalows, right, that sit in these hotels. I mean, in these hotels. There's these bungalows that sit over the over some, you know, some aqua blue water. My goal, my vacation goal, is to be able to wake up in a hut, like one of those overwater bungalows, be able to jump out of my window and into the ocean into the ocean <laughs> or into the sea you know just for a morning swim it's like hey wake up like, open the window Woo! screw the vacation i want to do that in real life that could you imagine every day screw the vacation if you live somewhere like that where you could just wake okay. up and then man that would be whew. if i go swimming in some 80 degree water oh yeah in, in in aqua blue 80 degree water you know right first thing in the morning i think that'll make everything right with my day yeah that would uh <laughs> man like tahiti right like tahiti. with those bungalows but this is something a little more different well no it's exactly the same the mm. only difference is you know maldives is just a, a a chain of little tiny islands that are slowly disappearing whereas tahiti's probably gonna be there for a little longer maldives yeah. that's definitely some that's that's a good one actually i've never been a tropical paradise person as I was growing up, but lately I have been between like Hawaii and what now that we can go back now that mm-hmm. everything's been lifted. That is a good one. I got to look that one up because if it's not going to be here in 20 years or 30 years and time's a wasting. So yeah, that is a good guy's trip to make it happen. Yes. Or is it weird? Or is that like a romantic thing you're supposed to bring your spouse to? Or that could be like a, you know, bring a bunch of families or, or couples trip. Like, you know, you, you guys can go as a couple. We, uh, you know, get somebody to watch the kid, and then we'll go. You know, have everybody get. You know, that it would be a wonderful trip. It could be both things, right? I think, you know, that can if that can happen, that'd be awesome. That is, um, you know, what I'm gonna make that happen. <laughs> At some point in my life, I'm gonna make that one happen. I don't care what I gotta do to get there. That is gonna be another one on my bucket list too. I mean, imagine you land at an airport, 
But to get to your hotel, you need to take a boat. Just thinking about that is kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, that right? is kind of cool. <laughs> what is it? Uh, speaking of airports, you're, you've been in Nepal. <laughs> I wish. Is it, you heard about that airport that if you want to go to Mount Everest, that it's like a... Lukla? Is that what it is? Yep. It's that one airport where it's like a coin toss whether or not you're going to survive landing on the plane because yeah, it's like it's, in the it's, side it's of like a mountain. Plateau. It's like on a plateau, right? Yeah. yeah. I saw it in one of those what, world's dangerous airports. And like, so the airport that goes to Mount Everest, it's like this. So, you know, oh, the plane went down. Oh, they're dead. Like, <laughs> wow. It's like literally just an adventure just to be able to land at the airport. Like that's. Yeah, it's pretty insane. In fact, uh, you know what? Um, so I did see it on one of those um, most dangerous airports. But something you probably don't know about me, I am an avid flight simulator player person. Simulator player person. What do you got? What is it like the the Sims that you got on the computer, or like yeah. a legit Boeing seven forty seven? Like, well, maybe not a legit Boeing seven forty seven like layout, but growing up, I mean, I've always wanted like so from from when I was little. So this is where we start talking about Benny's dreams, right? If Benny Benny's dreams. <laughs> If Benny could change the world, right. Benny, exactly. When I was a little kid, I've always wanted to be a fighter pilot. Oh, same thing. And then I found out all the things you know, you got that perfect vision. Um, I, you know, it and there's like a lot of work that has to kind of go in, in place. You have to really start young with being a fighter pilot in, in mind, right? Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to at least traverse being in the military first, right? <coughs> But so, yeah, I've always wanted to be a fighter pilot. I always had, you know, enthusiasm in, in, in learning about aircraft and, you know, became a flight simulator, you know, person, right? Bought a, you know, high powered computer, you know, installed flight simulator and started playing, right? So that's where I kind of learned about the airport, world's most dangerous airport. And yeah. That's just crazy. Like, I had the same exact dream when I was like 17 or 18 years old. I'm not going to lie. I was probably influenced by that Top movie. Gun? That too. <laughs> Top Gun and uh, Independence Day for oh, whatever yeah. reason as a kid. Yep. I was like, man, I want to be a fighter pilot. But, you know, I didn't have 20-20 vision. And I think at the time, LASIK wasn't something that they were accepting of or whatever. Uh, but I remember my parents took me to the Air Force Academy when we were doing a road trip to Colorado. I'm like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I actually got into this place here and I got to do fighter pilots and, you know, I got to write fly fighter jets like that would be so awesome you realize as, as a kid you have these dreams and goals that you're just gonna like jump in there and like start taking on the russians or something like that and you realize oh actually there's a lot of training that goes into it you realize that most of the pilots out there are probably like 40 50 years old <laughs> like and they're like lieutenant commanders or some high rank like that like, you don't just jump into a fighter plane just because you got through the academy or mm -hmm. you got through fighter you know fire school like, you start out at the bottom obviously and work your way up before you even get to the big machines right there oh yeah and i'm like man that but still i was like man. i mean even at the very minimum you need a college degree yeah like who would have thought that you know 20 years ago you got to get your college degree first before you know who, you could fly this thing who would have thought that maverick from top gun had a college degree right <laughs> i <laughs> you gonna watch a new movie coming out oh i am so isn't it supposed to be out already i keep think i think i got delayed a year Another year? Well, I mean, this now it's coming out on November, right? So mm. I think it originally was supposed to be out. I mean, I was looking forward to it. I mean, I was, this was, if this had to be a movie that I had to see, I mean, if it was any movie that I had to see, and I don't get excited about movies anymore. 
<laughs> but this will be the movie that I have to see. Dude, I, I can't wait, man. Ooh, if they have... God, what's that guy's name? The one who, who did the Top Gun anthem. Uh, I forgot his name. The one who did the, the guitar and that was like, the, you know, everybody just knows that Top Gun anthem. Yeah, now, now it's going to bug me because I, I know who you're talking about. Oh, I forgot his the name. The dude that sang the Danger Something song. No, that was Kenny Loggins. Was no, Kenny. It was, no, it's the... We're, we're going to find out right now. Like, what was that guy that did that? Well, we were going to find out right now, but because I decided not to put the... Uh, Wi-Fi on here, then it's not going to work, is it? Well, how about this? In the meantime, keep so, going. Suffice it to say, if you know the name of it, put it in the uh, comments, right? <laughs> if you know the name of it, oh, here we go. Found it. It came through. Who did it? Who's it? Steve Stevens was the guitar, and who did the Harold Faltermeyer and Steve Stevens? So you're talking about That's like that right. very first beginning scene? Yeah, the guitar and the piano, or the it wasn't a piano, it was a keyboard, because that was the big thing back in the 80s, the freaking Yamaha keyboard. Mm -hmm. ding, 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 ding. <laughs> this, I'm, 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 <laughs> Kim, I just did that. I just did that. <laughs> I know. Uh, I mean, suffice it to say, like, right, you grew up in the 80s, like, kind of the way I grew up in the 80s and the early 90s, right? I grew up in the, well, you know, I was born in 83, so I grew up in the 80s just because my sisters were of that generation, so everything around me was 80s. From the, from the Top Gun anthem to the fact that I would go into the bathroom, and my sister, I won't tell you which one, I would open each drawer and they were each full of cans of Rave hairspray. Remember that? Remember the hairspray? Like every drawer was like Rave number three, Rave number five, and it's like six cans each. It's like waking up in the morning before she would go to school. Like, tss, like, whoo, what is that? Like, oh, it's got to be this big old thing right here. I'm like, okay, I don't know anything at six, seven, eight years old, whatever I was, but... Yeah, a lot of 80s influence because of my sisters, who if they listen to this now are probably going to think about all the things that <laughs> they probably put me through. Although we did have a good time enjoying that movie, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. Like, hey, remember leg warmers used to wear that? Yep. I'd say which sister. <laughs> oh, man. So I was actually going to touch on this too because we were talking about Top Gun and remakes. I've noticed that there are so many movies that have been that are getting remade and re-released. It just got me excited, right? Bill and Ted came out with one. Bill recently. and Ted. Hmm. You know what else is coming up, coming back? I can't believe it. And I see it down the street all the time. Roller skates and rollerblades. Dude. And I love those things. I was like, man, if I would have known that when I was 16, I would have saved my rollerblades. Oh, these things are going to come back one day. Like, people stopped riding them. You thought that was the end of it. You know, everything's like cyclical. You, you, you well, I know also now that everything is cyclical. Like, well, <laughs> you also notice that everybody's like wearing, you know, jeans from the 90s. Oh, that annoys me so much, man. When I see people wearing these really faded denim jeans with the holes inside, it's like, okay, maybe that was cool in the 80s and you're wearing them now and like, whatever. I mean, I'm not a big fashion guy, but I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to pull that off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Neither am I. Yeah. But it's funny because it's like you're walking down the street these days, you know, especially with a lot of people that are in the fashion, like, oh, where did this person go shopping? Saved by the Bell? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that wasn't a bad show. And, you know, I love that show, too. I mean, I just thought it was hilarious because you were seeing all that stuff come back. I mean, but I mean, oh, how excited were you when you uh, found out that Cobra Kai? Cobra Kai. That was, um, you know, I'll be honest with that one. Uh, we watched the first episode on Netflix and I thought it was really stupid. I'm like, this is really cheesy and corny. What the? We gave it its due. We said, you know what? Let's just keep watching it. Whatever. And we kept watching, like, oh, actually, we're starting to get into it in an embarrassing way that we're into a 
Karate Kid remake, and it was funny seeing uh, Ralph Macchio's character come back and like yeah. that whole kick the competition. Like, wow, it's the oh, best. Oh man, I yeah, they it started off really cheesy, but as you get to the end of the seasons where they have now, like, oh, actually, I'm kind of excited for the next season. Mm-hmm. This takes me back, and that tournament that they had at the end of the first season I was mm-hmm. like, dude, this is like they were they were just missing that song. What was it? I'm the best there is. I forgot who sang that one. Like yep. If they just would have played that song in the background, that would have been perfect. Like, yep, that <laughs> really takes you back on that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm just so excited about like how every okay, maybe not the fashion, but as far as like you know, movies being revisited, a lot of the you know, a lot of the old movies are starting to get remade. It just has made me like super excited about like you know the stuff that's coming out these days. And, and so to to our point, Top Gun. I'm excited to what they're going to do now with modern fighter jets, with the CGI technology they have now, like just even thinking about how they made that movie back in the day. And it was literally like they had to go fly up and record planes, do all these maneuvers. Now everything's in the computer. You don't have to leave ILM or wherever they make that stuff at. Looking back, I'm like, well, actually, that was really impressive that you had some plane up there filming everything as these fighter jets are doing all kinds of crazy stunts. and. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, have a different appreciation for that movie now. Now that we know how people get away with CGI now in movies, and like, uh, it's great, but you lose the original like effort that it takes to make some of these things. Oh yeah, I'll tell you one thing that I don't like when it came back is my mom used to wear she used she used to work in an office building at the lab. I won't say which which lab, uh, and she'd wear these blazers with the padded shoulders. <sighs> And I, I have pictures of me and my mom from, you know, when I was four years old. And she's probably listening to this episode now laughing because she knows exactly what picture that one is with these big old shoulder pads. And those things went out and we're like, oh, great. They look kind of weird anyway. Like you had like football pads on here. And I saw people wearing that. Like not, maybe it was a year ago, whatever. I'm like, hey, did they bring back padded shoulder blades for blazers? Because um, I thought we got rid of that in the early 90s or something because my mom used to wear the exact same thing. And. I thought they said, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. And that came back. I don't know who's behind the scenes at some of these fashion designers. Like, you know what? We have no creativity. We're just going to recycle old things from back in the 70s or 80s and just do it again. That's funny. I had this same conversation with my my wife this one time, right? You know, remember uh, remember in the 90s when bell bottoms came back? Uh, Like full on, like literally like triangle bell bottoms. I mean, I see some now that are like pretty bad. They're just not, they're more discreet, but like, yeah, it's a yep. bell bottom. Exactly. And then it morphed into something else. And now we're, 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 we're back in the, well, the 80s just passed because a lot of the 80s fashions came back last decade. You <laughs> notice that. And, and now the 90s is, is here because everybody's wearing those high-waisted jeans and the, you know. Yeah. Who am I to say anything about that? I don't wear them and, you know. Yeah, I better keep my mouth shut about the wife wearing that stuff. Uh, anyway, <laughs> with that being said, yeah, I think lesson learned is save all your pants and shirts from the last five years because they're going to come Probably back into fashion. Back. And yeah, and you don't have to buy anything anymore. They're all ready to go. Like, hey, I was ready for this 10 years ago and it came back. See, I'm right on top of the trend. But let's be fair. I mean, I mean, we, we have a certain sense of style, which I think is timeless. T-shirt and jeans. Can't beat that. <laughs> they, they make it so difficult to sell something, but really it's just, yeah, it's just jeans and a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will agree with the fashionistas on this one. Um, 
as guys, we can forego the uh, flip-flops yeah. out in public. I mean, I'll agree with them on that one. Like, yeah, I don't want to see no dude's toes walking well, down the street. <laughs> why would you, like, half the time? I mean, living in San Francisco, you like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, to each their own, maybe somebody comes from an environment where like, yeah, that was totally normal and I don't see any problem with it. And then me, I'm like, uh, I seen what people drop on the streets here and it just to know that that it's getting into, yeah. I, how about you wear something a little more closed toe that not only will look better, but maybe you won't have to worry about, um, getting any sort of infections because of what you may have stepped on and not realized it that thin layer of that flip-flop is not going to be enough to protect you against all the things that are, <laughs> that people drop on the street. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> that, you we, know, to be quite honest with my luck, I'll probably a, either step on something or stub my toe. Yeah. <laughs> it, oh yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, man, um, I will give the city credit, though. They're making a lot of improvements with that. So it's good to see your tax dollars go to work. Um, the change isn't as fast as a lot of people would like to hope, but it's definitely going in the right direction from whatever that low point was. I like to think we're on the uprise here. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. <laughs> but to try to tell everybody else, yeah, forgo the flip-flops here. Unless you're at the beach, literally just at the beach on the sand, like, yeah, you can forget that. One thing we can, yeah. that and Crocs, like that, oh. like, whoever invented that thing. Crocs. Yeah. I'll agree with all the fashion police on that one. <laughs> so, anyway, man, I am almost, uh, did you finish yours already? You're already done with that. Yep. I just uh, finished it. Savoring this one, man. It's uh, definitely a special one. That's a good one. And it's good to have a good conversation with this one. And so you link it all together, man. This was fun, Benny. <laughs> we got to do this more often. Like just kind of, you know, sit down and just really find out what's going on in each other's lives and like you don't realize how much of the things that we probably actually talked about and it's only been an hour or so that we've been talking that people could probably pick up on it and you know take something away from it you know nobody's judging anybody you know nobody is uh saying my way is better and your way sucks it's just all about hey most of us in this world are all right smack in the middle we just want to get information from both sides and figure out the best course of action for our own lives. So mm-hmm. yeah, this was awesome, man. So we got to do this again. Maldives though, mm-hmm. or Maldives, whatever it is, we got to make that happen, man. Absolutely. Anyway, man, this has been awesome, man. Thanks again, Benny, for coming out. Thanks and, for having uh, me on. Absolutely. And this is a uh, what, <laughs> social distancing cheers until we can figure this one out. All right. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, bye everybody. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.